Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everyone. On our show this morning, if you are thinking of selling your New York City apartment and have been watching the market for an uptick in sales activity to help you get to that right pricing strategy, you may not find it. There are many reasons why the market flipped last year into a buyer's market, including a glut of luxury uh, condos not sold and the political uncertainty for 2020. And it doesn't look likely to change anytime soon. But that doesn't mean it's the wrong decision to sell. Your priority is to get your apartment seen by as many qualified buyers as possible and realistic pricing is the key so how do we do that well we're going to look at that in the next hour also at this hour the new year is a time when everyone is making new year's resolutions for their professional and personal lives but too often those goals and aspirations are abandoned by february or march we're almost there uh the gym for example uh, is always one that starts in january and ends by february (laughs) not for all of us Anyway, so how can real estate agents keep those New Year's resolutions of theirs and stay motivated all year long? Even when times get tough, the panel is going to give us their tips on how they stay successful. We are live from Smash Studios here in Hudson Yards, New York City, as Good Morning New York gets underway on this Tuesday morning. But first, I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. This is Good Morning New York Real Estate. I am Vince Rocco, and we have a great show planned for you today. Uh, So let's get at it. In the news this morning, Jeff Bezos and David Geffen hammered out the Amazon Chief's record-setting $165 million purchase of Geffen's Beverly Hills estate while socializing on the former music mobile's famous yacht, The Rising Sun. That, according to The Real Deal, the deal was done directly according to a source, and it did not involve any real estate agents on either side. Of course not. The pair of billionaires made a good match. Geffen had been quietly shopping the home for two and a half years, and Bezos, who actively uh, shot, was shopping for a Los Angeles mansion in the nine-figure range. Along with purchasing the Geffen estate, the Wall Street Journal says uh, that he also uh, bought a $90 million uh, a state uh, a parcel of land, rather, from the estate of the, uh, the late Paul Allen. Of course, we know that Bezos is worth $132 billion. Boy, I tell you the truth. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. The nine-acre Geffen estate was designed in the 1930s for Jack Warner, the former president of Warner Brothers Entertainment. Geffen, the founder of Geffen Records and an early investor in Apple, purchased the estate for $47.5 million in 1990, then a record for Los Angeles County. And let's not forget Bezos' sale of 80 million, purchase last year, rather, of $80 million here in New York City with our own Nikki Field. Bezos' $165 million price tag is a new record for Los Angeles County and, for that matter, the state of California, shattering the mark uh, set in December when Lachlan Murdoch bought the Chartwell Estate in Bel Air for $150 million, and that estate should fall into the ocean. Um, (laughs) CNN anchor Don Lemon has listed his condo in a luxury Harlem apartment building for $1.75 million, according to the New York Post. Located at 2280 Frederick Douglass Boulevard, the tower known as 2280 FDB is a few short blocks from Morningside Park and all that central Harlem has to offer. The TV news anchor first bought the three-bedroom home for $1.48 million in 2013, followed by a neighboring one-bedroom unit for roughly $867,000, which he sold a couple of years later for $969,000. Lemon 
uh, plans to move closer to Hudson Yards, where we are here this morning, where CNN broadcasts live every day from their new studios. God, Don's going to love these views. They're amazing. Aren't they amazing? <laughs> Just look out those windows and Can check out Hudson Yards. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have a special guest this morning, Mara Flash Blum. She is a senior global real estate advisor and associate broker and has been ranked among Sotheby's International Realty's top producers, both in its downtown office and in the top 20. 25 brokers nationally uh, since rankings began in 2009. She is consistently ranked by the Wall Street Journal and America's Best Real Trends for being among the top 250 agents nationally by closed sales. She is an accomplished broker with over 25 years of selling luxury Manhattan real estate. Her accomplishments include a record sale of a trophy townhouse on Central Park West and the Puck Pound, uh, Townhouses. Uh, penthouses, rather, in Soho. She was recently part of the top producing sales team in the successful sellout of Madison Square Park's premier new condominium conversion at 212 Fifth Avenue. That was a stunning building. Unbelievable. Uh, premium services, uh, innovative marketing strategies, unparalleled ethical standards, and superior negotiation st- skills are what distinguishes Mara as a Amara. It's Amara. Amara Flash Bloom. Oh, my God. This is embarrassing. No. She is <laughs> As the leader in our industry, her I'm un- exhausted just listening. Her unique marketing vision, and can you imagine I have to read all this stuff. <laughs> her unique marketing vision and real estate acumen, coupled with Sotheby's uh, venerable branding and global reach, make her a powerful combination. She resides in the Flatiron District with her husband. She has two accomplished sons. And feels fortunate as they both reside in, in New York. Sounds like my mother, something my yeah. mother would say. Good morning. Good morning. And I have a little bit of news also. Oh, please share it. Um, well, Nikki and I have been partnering for 20 years and we've just made it official. We love Nikki um, too. Right. And we are, I'm heading the downtown division of the field team. Wow. In addition to my other responsibilities as a resale broker and top producer in the downtown office, I'm taking on a new project. So, Well, she was here recently, and I was discussing with her that I would have... 18 years I'm in the business and I was following her from literally day one when I saw a photograph of her and her team back 18 years ago when you couldn't even spell the word team (laughs) she had a team she's yep so she is is, she's at the forefront you know what every year you have to change up your business plan you have to look at mm -hmm. your business plan as brokers and um, look at the industry see where we're going and come up with some new strategies to compete in today's market absolutely that is the way you stay competitive. I'm going to get into a lot of that. But before we talk about pricing, and we're going to touch on, touch on a little bit about teams, um, in your business, how is the ultra-luxury high-end market doing these days? I mean, we all know that we've been in a sort of flat marketplace the past year and a half, two years. I mean, due to a whole host of reasons, most of which we don't even understand or know. Certainly, we can't communicate why. But how right now, <laughs> in February of 2020... Is the luxury high-end market, at least in your world? In my world, I have some news for you. Oh, here we go. More news. More news. Smart buyers are buying. (laughs) They're buying. And the the luxury market, what what we talk about, like above 10 million, above 9 million, or above 5 million, what, what what do you consider, guys? The I say above five, probably yeah, right I say now. above five. Above five million. So above five million, it is moving. Mm-hmm. Definitely. They're making deals. They're feeling value. And um, they're moving on with their lives. They're getting what they want. I mean, when since 2009, when do you have the opportunity now to actually buy a property 
that checks all your boxes, mm-hmm. you know, in a price point that the interest rates are so low, it doesn't make sense. It's just really about consumer confidence right now. And just for those that are sitting on the sidelines, don't do it because it will start to move. The mansion taxes start to get absorbed into the system. Right. The interest rates are low. I don't know. If you open up your, if you invest in the stock market and you're opening up and looking at your portfolio, you're sitting on some 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 real money there that maybe you want to diversify into the real estate market. So yeah. I'm 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 like feeling confident this morning, guys. <laughs> well, <laughs> Talk to me tomorrow. I might have a whole different story about this, but by, you know my by, stuff is moving, so I'm excited. Okay, yeah, well, there's a lot to be excited when the stuff is moving. But by the way, this is a bro show here this morning, as we'll introduce everybody. I love this. I'm like, Mara. <laughs> she's here with all of us. Um, no, but but you're you're very right though, and we've talked about this before on the show multiple times, including last week, where we are all seeing and feeling a little bit of an uptick, a lot of an uptick lately in activity out there. And as I've said many, many times on this show and and to anybody outside who wants to listen, you know, real estate is a funny thing in New York City. People will sit on the sidelines for just a bit and just a bit could be two years or one year or six months, whatever. But then after a while, everybody gets crazed. They have to spend, they have to buy, they have to do you can only sit on the sidelines for so long. And then, as you said before, you know, there are so many opportunities right now. It is a buyer's market. And for any smart buyer out there, this is the time to do it. Yeah. And, you know, you can if, if you're living in a two bedroom apartment with four kids, you know, you can only take that for so long. And eventually it's going to snap and you're going to say, I'm going to move. And, you know, I some of the millennials, they are going into rentals. They're sitting on the sidelines. They're watching. And there, that, so that market that I find that's below five million. I mean, that's starting to percolate because as the rents are starting to climb up, and the interest rates are still low, and they're looking at where the prices are. I think that below five million dollar market is also starting to to move and and percolate. Well, what it, are you guys seeing? I, I um, think so too. I mean, um, to Mara's note, the, a lot of the people that are purchasing right now are smart buyers, and although some of them are bringing new inventory onto the market, they're doing it because they're looking at this abundance of inventory, realizing the prices have maybe come down, and they're willing to take a calculated loss on their smaller properties so that they can buy up at a discount, at a perceived discount into a more expensive property. I have clients that are doing that now, but what that means is some of the pricing for those properties that people are surrendering are starting to come down to where the market meets. And as the buyers start realizing like, oh wait, you know, I thought I could sit around forever, but now I've just watched one property go into a deal, I've watched another property, that I believe is already starting to speed up this, the the um, rate by which purchasers are making decisions yeah. and because the interest rates are low. And uh, yeah, I just did three two-bedroom deals, like below mm-hmm. $2.5 million. And, and I can I, and I know, and some of those buyers, those sellers are going to be buyers now. They're going to be real buyers. I, I find that when people come to my listings, you know, you get that disappointing news. Well, there are places on the market. It hasn't sold yet, <laughs> but we're looking. Okay, just right. heard that the other day. Uh, I know. Crush to a, to a I'm, listing I'm agent. Seeing a, Crush. I'm seeing yeah. a lot of activity as well, like offers, contracts, uh, you know, new listings. We, we just put something on the market at Morgan Court, which is just, you know, a regular building on Madison Avenue. 
and one point, almost $1.2 million one bedroom. And we're, we're getting second showings in the first couple of days. So we didn't expect to have that much activity. And that's a hard, isn't that a harder sell because of yeah. the... Yeah, and, and it, I have a new, I have like a development project around the corner and we're getting ton, we're getting dozens of showings a week. Do you guys think that the under two or say under $3 million, you know, uh, price point, a lot of the uptick in activity today is due to the interest rates because all of last year we kept touting interest rates are low, historically low, and still nothing was moving. Do you think that as low as they've gotten even today, that that's driving this this uh, well, push? I, I like what Mara said before about people are finding what they want out there. I actually think it's – I find that it's less about interest rates and less about, you know, confidence these days that, you know, people for the past few years couldn't find exactly what they wanted. And it would make them sit on the sidelines because they wouldn't have the confidence of the market. And now, I mean, I have more deals than I had in contracts in 2014. And, you know, all at once, and about half of them, I would say, are people that just could and find exactly what they wanted, even though they knew. Are these first-time buyers know no, that? They're not. Okay. They're not. They're people that have purchased before. They know that perfect doesn't exist, but they truly okay. wanted the right thing in the right place. Also, rentals are just outrageous right now. Yeah. And yeah. people even going to renew their leases are getting a little bit of sticker yeah. shock. They they are outrageous and and uh, you know well we'll we'll talk about that another well, time. Well, it's it's finding the market. Like it, it, you're talking about Morgan Court, and that's a great example because. That's a difficult building. So the fact that you price this right, it's a deal, right? The $1.2 million for you to get this kind of yeah, I mean, showing. No, it's, it's surprising. It, it's encouraging. And, and I'm hearing that from a lot of brokers. You know, I'm talking to brokers every day who are saying we're, we're putting in offers. I have serious buyers. My sellers are pricing correctly. So... I'm feeling it too. I'm, I'm kind of, and I'm kind of hearing it across, you know, across the spectrum of all, right, well, all different types of programs. We have to go. Uh, coming up after the break, we're going to talk more to Mara. We're going to talk more about pricing. We're going to talk more about the market. This is Good Morning New York and the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We will be right back after these uh, brief messages. So please don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Hi, this is James Nelson. I'm a huge fan of Vince's show, and I'd like to invite you all now to listen to my show on the Voice America Network, Real Estate Investing, live from New York. I will teach you everything you need to know about investing and operating commercial real estate. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of TV and radio shows that deal with investing in the stock market, and yet almost none that cover exclusively commercial real estate. This is not a get-rich-quick or how-to-flip-home shows. I will teach you step-by-step how to source, acquire, improve, and profit from commercial real estate. Please tune in live to the Voice America Business Channel every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific. Thank you. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. 
We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back with Mara, and we have also joining us today Matthew Cohen from Halstead, John Harrison from CORE, Sean McPeak from Halstead, Jordan Shea from Douglas Elliman, Matt Martin from Halstead, and Phil Horrigan from Freely and Leadsbreak.com. Mara, um, so when you're selling the high end, or actually when you're selling any product, but let's talk about the high end for a minute. And you're you're you know you're selling to buyers. You know, are you selling price or are you selling lifestyle? How happens? I mean, you're we, so we, funny. We yeah, throw that around a lot. No, I know. And I'm at Sotheby's International Realty. We are the epitome of lifestyle. Yes, of course so are. yes, I sell lifestyle. I never <laughs> ever ever talk about price per square foot ever. Right. Um, when I'm in a, uh, you know, a value, I don't. Well, I never by, talk about value play you, in the. But high. they'll push you to that conversation. They, they'll push. They'll push you. Um, but I don't engage. You know, I really, <laughs> I really don't engage in the conversation. Have a lesson next week on how to do this. All right. Yeah. It's an art form for me. You know, uh, that's how I sell. That not everybody sells the high end like that. If you're working with investors buying in the high end, uh-huh. I'm sure it's a different story. You talk about uh, what they could rent it for, what their all in costs are. The, you know, which depends on who who you're representing. I'm most of the time I'm on the list side of it. So when I when I'm on on the list side of it, the pricing in the high end is an art, and um, you can't ignore the pricing the pricing per square foot in the overall building. So, in order to make a a trophy sale in a building that has low prices per square foot, you have to sell lifestyle because there is there are no comps for it. So I in back in my I've been doing it a long time. So back in my career, my goal, my kind of motivational thing for myself is like, can I increase that price per square foot in a certain building over a long period of time? So that you know that that's what I try to do. And if you just go up in increments and sell the lifestyle, um I think the most important thing in order to sell lifestyle, you have to have the acumen to present the property well on the marketplace and understand what's really special about that property and then identify who your purchaser is going to be and market to that purchaser. 
So um, it's also all dependent on the property. Like every property is different. Some it's easier to, you know, convey a lifestyle like a penthouse listing, um, you know, or a resale versus new developments. Like in new developments, people are going to be much more cold and structured and think about price per square foot and what are the comps in the area doing, you know, and it's a little easier with a resale to sell lifestyle because someone already lives there and, you know, they're having a lifestyle. Someone else is going to come in and live their own lifestyle. Like I think that that always well plays into with it the as new well. development, especially especially in 212 Fifth Avenue, um, the staging of that, those units were very important. So when... And they were um, beautiful. Yeah. When we took over, I was pretty much in charge of how that staging functioned in those units and who was buying it and having the staging match the buyer. So if you can get them... This is big news now. If you can get them to sit on the couch yes. and have a glass of wine with you or or, or a uh, seltzer um, <laughs> with a little lemon in it, we'll uh, you know. <laughs> but you're absolutely correct. You're yes. absolutely correct. Sometimes sitting down and having a, a, a chat with the with the agent is is all of it. And I try to do that in new development, especially. Let me ask you before we get into specifics about pricing. We bring all the boys in. Right. What oh, is ooh. your prediction for 2020? I mean, coming from where we came in 18 and 19, going into 2020, uptick in the market. A lot of us are saying we've seen. Will it last? Will it not last? What are you seeing, and what do you predict? I'm, the balance of the I'm, year? I'm praying to the real estate gods mm-hmm. that we have a really good Aren't quarter. I, f- I feel like we're having a good quarter, um, which I hope will lead into another good quarter. But we are in an election year, so mm-hmm. buyers, this is the time to really buy because. I think we might hit, maybe fan. not, yeah, maybe we won't hit another correction. Maybe we le- we're leveling off a little bit, I'm hoping, because buyers are, are, are figuring out where the market is and figuring out where they're comfortable bidding. I think that has been a problem. They just don't know how low they can go. And we're also seeing competitive bidding where somebody's not happy. Somebody lost. That is a really good sign when when we've got losers out there. You know, we want we want uh, if you want to be a winner, this is the, this is this is the time to right. go out and be a winner in the real estate market. Um, so I can't predict what's going to happen in the summer, what's going to happen in November. Um, there's so many question marks about our our political lives, our lives as, as real estate brokers in Manhattan, in New York City. Market is is really it's like the the stock market almost you know you have these these vicissitudes and right now I think we're in a good moment we're in a good moment where real estate brokers are needed so that we can guide them through um, where to bid you know where to bid on a property and how to take it to the to the end game it's more than just a number here this is somebody's life like I just got a call from someone who like my client list you know 20 years ago I sold them an apartment they're ready to they're ready to make a lifestyle change and that's what this is really about real estate is about moving it's about changing your life you can't be trapped in your real estate you know you have to at some point you, you have to decide whether what's more important Staying in a piece of property that you're unhappy with or moving on with your life. That's it. That's the bottom line. Well, as Matthew always tells me, now that I'm single, I need to move downtown, right? Oh, there we go. I love that you just said vicissitudes. My favorite, one of my favorite teachers said that vicissitudes eventuate, which means uh, uh, easy things to figure out. But um, what I love about what you said, Mara, was this, this idea of 
lifestyle, I think people are really connected to story, to the idea of narrative. And, and, and I'm working in new development right now, too. And I've noticed whenever somebody comes in leading one of those questions, um, and I realize it doesn't really line up with what they say they want, I realize it's because they're getting stuck in this little trail on, is it price per square foot um, or is it something else? And I think it's where we have to get to the essence of what the buyer really wants. Because a buyer can come in and say, well, I had somebody said, I want to buy a unit in your building that's um, $1,700 per square foot. It has to be no more than $2.5 million and it needs to be at the top of your building. And so I asked, okay, which of those is most important and which of those are least important? He said, all of them are important. And I think at the end of the day, you've got to get people away from these fixed things that they're attached to to get to the heart of what they really want. Well, and that's the wish list versus it, reality. And well, yeah, we all it's have to, to go actually that. help them get out of their own way. Mm-hmm. And for Mara's situation, it's the idea of the luxury. It's, look, don't get stuck on the price per, per square foot, really. No, like, let's figure out what you really want so that you'll thrive and so that you'll flourish for the next chunk of your life. All right, let's move on to the, the, the core of today's discussion, and that's pricing. So Brick Underground says, as I read at the top of the show, if you are thinking of selling a New York City apartment and have been watching the market for an uptick in sales activity so that you can help your own self, you know, come up with a pricing strategy and and that of your agent, you may not find it. There are many reasons why the market did flip last year into a buyer's market, including there's such a huge glut of inventory on the luxury condo side, not sold, and the political uncertainty, as as Mara just uh, mentioned, for 2020. Uh, And it doesn't look likely to change, but that doesn't mean it's the wrong decision to sell. Sometimes you have to sell. There are a whole host of reasons why. Your priority is to get your apartment seen by as many qualified buyers as possible, and realistic pricing is the key. Mara has more specific advice on the math. I love this. I love this when I read this. On the math of pricing your apartment for sale, but says you can't go low enough in this market. In her experience, if you overreach on price, the apartment won't budge. So it's time to take a long look in the mirror and accept some truths. Now, here is her example. In this market, if you think you are a size 6, but you're really a size 14, (laughs) you are not close, not even close. It's never going to (laughs) fit. I call it it the Taj Mahal syndrome where that there's delusion, delusion in this marketplace, really, (laughs) because everyone loves their home. And in this market, it's about value and not about love. You know, I say lately for sellers with high hopes, the reality of the current market can be deflating. And I think the New York Times just recently wrote an article on that. It can be deflating. People out there still have high hopes on a price that is not achievable. Yeah, I I can't understand that. I can't, I mean, they want to test the price. You know, we've all done it. We've all been there, right? Just weigh in here. How many people have, you love the, you love, you walk into a listing, you Mm -hmm. fall in love with a seller and they say to you, I I just, I just need to test that price. Like, how do you know somebody isn't going to walk in here and for all the reasons that they list about how perfect their home is, some buyer is going to be delusional and they're mm-hmm. going to come in for the reasons that you love their home and pay that number. Mm-hmm. It's not based on fact. It's not based on any data. I mean, you can look at the data and maybe you can stretch the data here and there to to, to go a little more aggressive. I tend in my own person, for myself, I tend to price just a hair higher than 
the market. I mean, I love to price lower, but I feel like I'm really good at it. So I just want to try to make sure that I'm not leaving a dime on the table for my sellers. Um, And you can always go down or if you're within reach of it and you can get offers, you can hear the market. Mm -hmm, Like if mm -hmm. I'm just going to throw out an example, like if you price something at two point five recently, like at two point five. And then the price the, the you get if you're skilled, you can get buyers to actually bid. So they're bidding two, they're bidding two, they're bidding two, they're bidding two. And then all of a sudden you get two four. Like it, I've seen it, I've I've had that experience that it's just, so you once you know that you're in the zone of them bidding, if you get a couple of them to bid together, then you can push that number up for your seller. So, I mean, that's your job. But then, you know, it's a, it's really up to the seller. I mean, there's some sellers that just need to have it on the market for four or five months just to make sure that you're doing your job. <laughs> but then there are other sellers that, you know, you price it right and then how many experiences have you had? You price it out of the gate, you get the asking price and they think, they say to you, well, you underpriced it. <laughs> like you should, should ask for more. So, All the so, time. Stand by. We'll, we'll touch on that more after the break. We're live in Smash Studios in Hudson Yards, New York. You are listening to the Voice America Talk Radio Network. I'm Vince Rocco. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, this is James Nelson. I'm a huge fan of Vince's show, and I'd like to invite you all now to listen to my show on the Voice America Network, Real Estate Investing, live from New York. I will teach you everything you need to know about investing and operating commercial real estate. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of TV and radio shows that deal with investing in the stock market, and yet almost none that cover exclusively commercial real estate. This is not a get-rich-quick or how-to-flip-home shows. I will teach you step-by-step how to source, acquire, improve, and profit from commercial real estate. Please tune in live to the Voice America Business Channel every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific. Thank you. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We are all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. 
If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back with Matthew Cohen from Halstead, John Harrison from CORE, Sean McPeak from Halstead, Jordan Shay from Douglas Elliman, Matt Martin from Halstead, Phil Horrigan from FreelyLeaseBreak.com. This is a mouthful this morning on Mara Flash Blum. Blum. We love your name. That's okay. From, the, my, from Sotheby's International. It's my husband's last name. Not my, uh, <laughs> there you go. All right. So the, the question overall is, you know, listening to all of the, the, the rhetoric here, which is all fine and dandy and, and good, how then do you actually price correctly in a buyer's market, forget, you know, what the seller wants, forget, you know, what the market says, whatever, or what the history was back whenever. This is a buyer's market. It has been for well over a year. How do you successfully price today? I mean, that's really the key. More than ever, you need to look at what's in contract. You you have to stop thinking about closed deals and, you know, because comps from a month or even three months ago are not valid anymore. And so you, you can't do what we used to do where we would say, you know, two years ago, we would say, oh, well, this closed four months ago in the same line. And so we're going to up at 3%. And here's where we are. No, actually, I think that quite the opposite. If you're going to use a closed sale, I think from four months ago, I think you have to look at it. And then you have to say, now we're going to subtract 5% from that. And this is where we should be. But more importantly, look at what's in contract in the building, even if it's a really different type of unit, I believe. Well, well the stats say in 2019, prices dropped between 6 and 11% or more in some cases in Manhattan only. So, you know, if sellers are still thinking grandiose numbers, you know, it's okay to show them the data that says, look, you know, from 18 to 19, <clears throat> this is where we went. And in 20, Lord knows what. So I still have a concern with um, getting them to understand what the real price should be. Well, the biggest yeah, thing, you, sorry. Oh, you also have to understand that anything that closed four months ago actually went into contract at least three months before that. So something may seem like a recent sale, but it could be seven, nine, 12 months old. And that's, I mean, when you're talking about six to 11% price drops in a year, that's a huge difference. And in the luxury in the luxury market, I look at yep. uh, before it, it, things that closed before June, the, when the mansion tax went up. Things mm-hmm. that closed ap- in July is where our market is. In some of those, right? And a new, de- and a new a development too. You know, a lot of things have been in contract for a year or plus, and that's really skewed. You know, mm-hmm. off the charts. Right, and then they sell, and you don't know where right. they're. Hey, the, Vince. Yeah. The other thing I say is one of the things I find so helpful is to frame the argument right from the beginning. Like, so one of the first things in the pitch is, yeah, I call it an argument, right? Is to frame, I guess, frame the situation, I should probably say, because you know you're going to get an argument. Yeah, right. Framing any situation right. is about to be an argument. <laughs> right, right. And, and that is to talk about where we are, like to say right from the beginning, we're back to 2014 yeah. in terms of pricing. Yeah. And that just, and often it almost like sometimes stuns sellers a little bit, but you almost have to do that because well, it just, said sets, before, yes, it just, it just sets the stage, you yeah. know, and it, sometimes it, it's like a wake up call for these sellers. You know? Well, and I think too, because we're in such a buyer's market, it's more important than ever to really assess what else buyers can buy. For mm-hmm. this price point, because that's what we're sort of gauging against is what is our competition doing? I'm getting I'm getting a lot of this where <clears throat> buyers don't feel comfortable jumping in unless they've seen a price drop on a property already. Really? I want to tell you a quick little story because I'm I'm and I think Matt knows part of the story, but it's very interesting and it kind of underscores, I think, you know, what all of you were saying a little while ago where 
it's got to be the right property for the client. So I'm out with my client in November, and she's looking at something that's almost one five. We negotiate down to one four, and at one four, I said this is a good deal based on you know what it's supposed to be, whatever. So we get an accepted offer and we get a contract out. So two months go by and it's back and forth, back and forth. She doesn't <laughs> sign the contract. Oh my goodness! We come into the Christmas holiday. She calls me on Christmas Day and says, "I'm not. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm not signing the contract." So I said, okay, now I have to call the team the day after. I wouldn't ruin anybody's Christmas holiday. So I said, we're out. They get steaming mad at me, of course, the typical real estate situation. So here we go. She comes back in early February because she lives out of town. And I had bought and sold with this woman many times before. So she's a very, very good customer. So we're out two weeks ago. She sees a property. We bid. We bid very successfully. We get a two-bedroom unit in Hell's Kitchen, Midtown West, for one point one million dollars. Contract out. Two-bedroom, two bath. Two-bedroom, two full bath. Beautiful apartment. One point one. I can negotiate, honey. Ooh, honey, you are good. Now here we go. So now when I don't. What's the address? And is it signed? (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. There's a lot more to the story. So here we go with pricing. Okay. So one point four to one point one. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Now she can do it. (coughs) Now at the end of the day. I haven't heard, I didn't hear from her for two days. This is last week. So I called her and I said, so, you know, uh, broker is wanting to know when the contract is going to be signed. It's out almost a week, you know, blah, blah, typical push. Come on, let's go. What's what's the deal? Giddy up. <laughs> well, she said, as soon as I heard, well, I said, here we go. Uh, Not again. Very long story short, she says, I'm going back to the first apartment. I'm buying the first apartment. I said, but we're $300,000 more. I want it. We are now not only back in the deal, contract is signed, money is deposited, board package is being oh worked God, on today. She got emotional. What? She got emotional over the no, property. She wanted here, it. She wanted my, the, the, point, the first one. The point, the point of my story is she wanted the first one all along, okay? But she reads all the press that this wonderful press puts out there about prices too high, prices too high, you can't spend that. What are you doing? Friends, uncles, cousins, grandparents, yeah, you're telling her 1.4 in New York City. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Now, mind you, it's almost a 1,500-square-foot apartment. Two full baths. It's huge. It's loft-like. It's in a gorgeous building in Midtown. She says, that outweighs what everybody else is telling me. I said, you know what? You should have listened to me to begin with. Point there is. <laughs> Listen to Vince. It's not always about the price. It's about what makes you happy. But it's also about perception. See what you said right, right there. It's right. all about the press. Mm-hmm. It's all about what she hears. Oh. I like that Phil used the word argument. <laughs> so as I've been as I've been it. holding on to my last few months of youth, I was I was trying to be more youthful <laughs> with my clients. So I like because with my clients, I'll actually will kind of like make fun of my age. And so what what I've been using is you know this whole idea of perception. I'll be like, hey, my life is all about my real life and Netflix. So like Netflix <laughs> is all this perception that I wish I could live. Well, like have fun like all these actors do but then I go to my real world life and it, it's reality and that's what I say to them I'm like there's perception of what the buildings around you are so like I was talking to a seller who owns a 10 West End and you know there around there is the element there's you know Waterline Square there's one West End and she's seeing all these huge numbers and she's not seeing what they're actually going for She's seeing what their perceived sales are going for. Mm -hmm. And so it's all about, you know, talking to people and explaining to them that you're not an idiot. You're not you're not dumb. You're not you know, you're not 
not in the know because you're not doing what we're doing, but let us tell you what's actually happening so that the perceiving is not wrong. And part of the problem with this particular deal I just outlined was the the listing agents who absolutely shall remain nameless. <laughs> that some of us actually know. <laughs> well, one of them in particular, horrendous. So, And that translated <laughs> to my client there. who, you know, kind of picked up on that and said, you know see, what? See, that's the other thing. Yeah. You, you have to create a luxury experience in a sale now. Right. Right. Because the the leverage is on the buy side. And, Absolutely. And you have to make that buyer feel really good, you know, about their purchase. Well, listing and, agents out there, beware. Okay. Yeah. Clients pick up on your behavior and your nasty mouths. Oh, anyway, yes. so let me let me <laughs> ask buyers you agents beware also. Right. <laughs> let me let me let me ask you this. So is it okay to adjust the pricing quickly within a month if you are not getting anyone uh, in in the door or you're not getting the right feedback to your sellers? So you price it because they wanted it. I mean, and when I, I'm not even talking about aspirational mm-hmm. pricing anymore because that doesn't work. But is it okay to quickly reduce when you really realize within, say, two weeks that you're not getting any uh, well, traffic at all? Um, depends when you list it, the property. Um, and I, I, my rule of thumb is this, this is what I say to the sellers. If we get 50 qualified buyers in your listing, yeah. which probably takes two months, mm-hmm. right? If, if you we get and we don't have an offer, it's the price. Mm-hmm. So we can go out at this number, you know, based on as you say, if you base, um, if you base the number on something that closed four months ago, the the price could have already corrected, which just happened to me on one of my listings. We realized we are too high, even though I had I had the fifty people in and we don't have an offer. Now we're at a different number. And it's like a start over. There's an uptick. You've got about two weeks. I think we know instinctively whether we're at the wrong number. Mm-hmm. If we don't, if we we're not able to secure the match the buyer's expectations to the seller's pricing. We do. I 100% agree with you. But it's always a challenge to get it argument potentially to get the <laughs> sellers to agree. So yeah. let me ask you this. And I've I've been successful with this strategy before. Does the strategy of pricing below the market work anymore in this market? You know, in hot, hot bidding war markets, I used to say, let's go a little under market, and I guarantee you're going to get 17 offers. Yeah, we can't guarantee. You That's can't the guarantee problem. Anymore. And they could come in, They you price it at 1.4, which you think is, a, a, you know, below the market, and then you start getting numbers at 1.1. One, one. So you need to make that buyer feel like they're getting a good deal. So I think pricing it... As I said, I I tried to price it within reach. Like if you're in three to five percent of the market, I think you're cool, you know. And then you, you don't know the two buyers could come in and you could actually get the asking price. We are going to start to see things trading at the asking price because mm-hmm. I think there's going yes. to be competitive bidding for these units I, now. I hope so. Yeah. How I, much do you offer? Let me ask all of you. How much do you offer when you're out there with clients and they say, "Well, you know, this needs a lot of work. This needs renovation. This needs whatever." So we call it fixer uppers. How you know? How should you offer on an apartment that is considered a fixer-upper, and what criteria should you use? I mean, I used to say to people, look, the one next door is exactly the same. It's in mint condition. This one is the same, but it's not in great condition. But the bones are really what matter because everybody can make the interior look however they want. But that doesn't fly sometimes in buyers' heads. Well, I think it all depends. I mean, if the listing agent is a good listing agent, they're hopefully already pricing that into the price. So if that's, you know, I just had a deal gone to contract in the West Village last week that needs a total cut. And the listing agent in Elman is awesome. And, And he already knew that. 
Hence, he had five offers over asking. Right. Again, it's the West Village. But, you know, um, if it's not a good listing agent and they haven't already priced it into it or an unrealistic seller. But, Matt, let me ask you something, though. And, and I, I happen to agree with you 100 percent. But but what happens if, you know, the comp in the building and it's sold within, you know, the last month, two, three, four, whatever, min condition sold at X price per square foot. Now you're taking one that really, really needs everything. Can you really use that number? I mean, because people are going to come in and say, but look at this versus that. I think you have to look really closely at the bones. Um, let's just take this specific example last week. I mean, we used a comp that was a, a few floors lower that was in the same line. But for some reason, as you got higher up in the building, there were two more windows added to the unit. Yeah. And so you have to yeah. look at the bones and yeah. think to yourself, mm-hmm. this is, you know, why is this priority? Why is it more of a premium? Um, but you also just, I, I always feel it's a really touchy subject. I think you should always be really conservative with buyers. Like the longer you've done this, the longer you know that not only can work take a long time, mm-hmm. but usually work that you think will be $100,000 is probably $150,000. Yeah, so so do you, be very I, conservative. Hold on, hard stop. we got to take a break. We are coming back right after these <laughs> messages. You want to do this. I can't believe it. Anyway, we'll be back in, in, in one minute. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders, so you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. 
Okay, everybody, we're back to segment four, and Sean, I cut him off at the break. Sorry about that. So go right ahead with your comments. <laughs> uh, so a question for the group. You have you have an identical sponsor, state condition sale unit in a co-op, um, and the unit below, it's in contract for 720000 and this needs hundred dollars to $150,000 of work. No question. It needs electric, everything, uh, new kitchen, bathroom. Uh, what what's your offer? What what's a non-insulting offer? Do you do you it's measure a very good it? Question. Is the is the metric you use uh, renovation? Uh, you know, less the units price downstairs in the contract. Wait, like, was the seven twenty in mint condition? The one that went. Uh, uh, you give it like a B plus condition. If I'm representing a buyer, I need to see. I th- ideally, unless they love it, even a greater gap than just the cost of renovation. Because a buyer that takes it on is also taking on the however long it takes to get yeah, signed. Yeah, yeah, but there's no board approval. There's value yeah. in the fact that it's sponsored. You're, you're not getting exactly. transfer. Uh, I mean, there's uh, you're not getting transferred sponsor rights. So oh. it's a regular unit. Oh. Regular unit. Um, but you still don't have to pass that. There's no application, it, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, look, I mean, that, that, <laughs> that, that's a very interesting it, question. They want to create their own value. The only thing is I have to remind some of my purchasers that when they're doing renovation, they don't get to leverage in the capital to do the renovation into the mortgage. Like yeah. if, if the, Whereas if they purchase something that's already done, they're putting a down payment on the total price. I just think it all comes back to in this city, um, you know, the actual work and people just don't understand how long it takes and how frustrating it can be. And I think for me, at least, I always just want to be completely upfront with people. And I use examples of other clients of mine that have renovated. I always think it's really important to tell clients it's extremely hard to get that money back that you put into it. So don't think because you're adding a lot to an apartment that the value is going to shoot up. And I make not, them and call not, me before they and do, do not it. Do not <laughs> anything. Yes. We are renovation. Yes, you we know, are love it or list it. Like I, I had a deal this last year. There was a co-op um, where we had a contract and the board, you started to allude to this, the board said, no, we're not going to approve this. The price has to be higher, even though a lot of work was required. Yeah. So we had to go back and sort of renegotiate and have the seller contribute some money because everybody agreed it needed work in order to meet this building comp, but because the board was tr- sort of trying to drive a protected mm-hmm. price per share, um, then we had to get funding on the other side and figure out credits to cover things. That's so ex- that's right. that, exactly what I did in an estate sale. I uh, We cleaned out the apartment. I mean, I have sources. I think as real estate brokers, you have to have these sources to um, dismantle. You didn't do it yourself? No. Well, I was. I did do a lot of it myself. Um, Coordinate the the, uh, refurbishing of the floors, which were magnificent floors. Uh, Never been touched. Covered in carpeting. You know, Mm. if you were standing still, Mm. it was wallpapered. You know, everything was wallpapered and it had to be skim coated. So we actually spent, we replaced a few appliances. We actually spent about $100,000 and we got every penny of that back. Because now the buyer walks into a beautifully staged home mm-hmm. um, with new light fixtures, a mo- mid-century modern look. They feel good. They can sit in the apartment. They don't feel grossed out. It doesn't smell. Um, and then, you know, they can look at it and say, oh, I just need to do the kitchen the way I want it and do two bathrooms and I can add a washer dryer. So, you know, they can they can put that together and say, oh, that's about, I put that together and say, oh, that's, the, you know, we can get a minimum 250000 right? Before that, it would have been like a $600,000 right. job. Yeah, so if you can just paint it, 
clean it up, mm-hmm. um, stage, stage it, it well, stage it. It, the rate of return on your investment, and then I'm not worried about the board. I'm not, and, I, and we priced it a little high, knowing that um, it was a 50% cash down building, knowing that somebody was going to negotiate off that price mm-hmm. for the renovation. So sometimes I price it higher so that they, when they can come in lower, it's pri- the renovation is priced into where I think it would Mm-hmm. actually trade. So in this particular line on the higher floor, uh, it was a $2 million. That was the comp. It was $2 million on a higher floor. This is on a much lower floor. We came down to the price of one six fifty, knowing that there would be some room for when a buyer steps in that they would want to feel good about putting the money into the renovation and still feel like they're getting a good value. But, you know, it's a better experience to be able to walk in an apartment and sit on the couch, right. you know, yeah. than Okay, not. moving right along. The new year is the time when everyone is setting New Year's resolutions mm-hmm. for their professional and their personal lives. Okay, we talked about the gym being one of them. So how can real estate agents keep those New Year's resolutions and stay motivated all year long? When times get tough, and last year was a time when a lot of agents, you know, suffered or didn't do business uh, like they did, you know, years past, there are kind of five steps. One is to be proactive instead of reactive. So how do you guys start your day being proactive uh, more than reactive? None none of us want to put out fires. We all want to be ahead of whatever's out there in, in our daily, you know, real estate lives. So how are you proactive and how is it helping? I mean, I, I, I'm a huge mental health person when it comes to just what we do and being an agent. Um, you know, I think that you need to get yourself in the right mental state of mind every morning before you go out and listen to your clients. Because if you're not in the right state of mind, you will never be in the right state of mind to talk to your clients and do what's best for them. That's number one. And number two, at least for me, especially going into this year, which has been, I think for all of us, extremely successful, you know, so far, I I can't believe all that's happened. It's not even March yet. Um, You know, you have to just listen to your gut. You know, if something doesn't feel right, it probably isn't right. And that will only be great for your clients because they will see that you really are looking out for them as well as with a listing. You know, if something doesn't feel right, voice it, express it, try and think it through. I'm about to get a listing that I turned down in December because something didn't feel right about it with, you know, both the staging and with the price. Just listen to your gut. You know, it's probably telling you the right thing. Yeah, but I I think to be proactive for those agents that are listening that don't understand what proactive actually means you get I get up in the morning I go to the gym you know that gets you know I dance up a storm well, then I that, come home that's exercising okay. self-care okay. Well, there like, you go. right yeah. but but I, I I take a quick peek sometimes at 5 30 in the morning I'm, I'm looking at my emails I'm looking at my emails I respond to the most important ones I go to the gym I come back the proactive part is you're working you're talking about the listings that you're working on now. I am always five steps ahead of my business plan. Like I know what my business plan is for the whole year and I have to start January 1st. It's like starting over. We were the, in the only career that it doesn't compound itself. It compounds itself if you're proactive, it does not if you do nothing. Like I I, I when I hear these stories about I t- I get pitches on listings and uh, an agent comes in and says, oh, I sold that to that buyer five years ago. 
Well, when somebody works with me, I'm like glue. Like, I just don't leave them. You have got to pick up the phone every day and connect with your buyers and your sellers from 5, 10, 15 years ago. You need to, you need to tell them when you're not busy that do you know anybody who's moving? You have to have a little chutzpah in this business mm-hmm. if if you're you're a new agent and you don't have a big client base. Well, that's our word for today, chutzpah. So let's all keep that in mind. And with that said, that's our broadcast for today. Thank you for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, or Instagram at Vince Rocco. We are back next Tuesday because if it's Tuesday morning, it's Good Morning New York Real Estate. Shoot for the moon, everyone. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. Be kind to one another. And for all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. 